Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. Let's get into our message. All right. So I'm going to uh, do a little bit of review because it seems like um, a while since I was here and I started doing this message, uh, Principles of the Doctrine of, of Christ. And uh, we, we began by looking at the first. Actually, if you have your Bible, if you look with me to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2, want to begin there. That's the, the text that we're taking for this message. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2. And it's also, we got our overhead this week, so thank God for that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And I put some little fill-ins there. I'll let you, let you fill those, those in. Repentance from Dead works, that's the one that we're going to uh, be exploring and looking at a little more closely tonight. The next is faith toward God. Uh, And then the third one on here is the doctrine of baptisms. And if you uh, would note... The word baptize is in the plural here. So the Bible speaks of more than one baptism. I got to uh, perform or or, uh, officiate some baptisms in the Jordan River at this trip. And uh, so that that was a wonderful experience. But it's a plural doctrine of baptisms and we're going to as we get into this we're not going to get into that this evening Uh, but if I'm privileged to come back I'll eventually get uh, to that the next is laying on of hands laying on of hands and uh, if you've seen the front of uh, the, the book that we wrote it's a picture of my four grandkids laying hands on me. So thank God for the doctrine of laying on of hands. Amen. Uh, the next is resurrection of the dead. Resurrection of the dead. You know, I, I've been thinking a particular passage in the New Testament says, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all people most despise. In other words, you know, our hope is it, it, uh, it goes beyond just this present life. In fact, this present life is minuscule, so short compared to eternity. And uh, so we look forward to the resurrection of the dead. And then the last is the eternal judgment, eternal judgment. So Hebrews 6 here says, therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, uh, or that literally means the word of the beginning. He says, not laying again the foundation. And these are foundational teachings. And, And 
In other words, he's saying that there's so much more beyond this, but, you know, as I've looked at, at these foundational doctrines it, and, and as I've uh, interacted, and, and I, think, I think our church our church is a teaching church, so probably, you know, we're on uh, maybe a little farther ahead than, than a lot of churches that don't spend time teaching the Word of God. But a lot of people couldn't tell you, uh, I, I should say many Christians couldn't tell you much about any of these foundational things, foundational doctrines that are, that are just elementary, what he's, what he's telling us. Foundations are very important. You know, it's, it's important to have a good foundation. One of the things, we got to go into the Jerusalem temple and they've opened up some of the lower areas that they've discovered. And I was absolutely amazed at the size of some of the rocks, limestone rocks that they have quarried and put in for a foundation. Some of them weigh over 200 tons. Uh, it, they're over, one of them is over 30 feet long. Massive. How they were able to get these stones. And, and they're not just sort of roughshod put in there. Everything is square. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, if you look at the size of the temple there in Jerusalem, I mean, it's just incredible, the height of the walls. And these, these stones not only had to be put in as a foundation, but they had to be put up high. So they had some mechanisms uh, to do that. But what he's saying in regard to these foundational uh, principles here that they are foundational and you know you can't build a strong superstructure if you don't lay a good foundation you've got to have a good foundation so I think I think these these six foundational principles are important for us to to get a hold of uh, so he says not laying this foundation again so, um, in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, I don't think you have that scripture, uh, Rich. So, no, you don't, you don't have it. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Hebrews chapter 9, <clears throat> excuse me, and verse number 14. How much more, it says, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So the first principle that we're looking at here is repentance from dead works. Dead works. What are dead works? You know, what are dead works? Hebrews 9.14 here says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You know, dead works are anything that we think we can do to bring about a right relationship with God other than uh, submitting to his provision for us. And this scripture, Hebrews 9.14, says that Christ offered himself, let me just read it, uh, how much the blood of Jesus was shed, the blood of Jesus was shed, the eternal spirit of God was involved in this process, and uh, Jesus offered himself as a spotless, sinless sacrifice. If we really wrap our head around that, that this was all God's 
provision for us. This is nothing that we conjured up, nothing that we did. There's nothing here about our earning this or anything that we could do to produce this. This was all God's provision. It's kind of like when uh, Moses uh, saw the, you know, uh, or not Moses, but Abraham. And, and God called him to go out and said, you know, sacrifice your son. And he was, he was ready to do that. God was testing his obedience. And at the last minute, God says, no, don't do this. And then God provided Jehovah Jireh. The Lord provided the sacrifice. And so what we're seeing here is that, you know, there's nothing... God, there's nothing that we can, can do to earn this. Nobody's ever going to be able to say, look what I did. You know, we just need to wrap our heads around that this was God's total uh, provision for us. And so if we repent from dead works, what we're saying here is, you know, I've got to stop thinking that, hey, God, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hot stuff, you know. And, and, and say, you know, I, I just fall before him and I'm awed that God would, would uh, reach down to me and, and, and make a total provision. I mean, it leaves me nothing to boast in. And, and this is, this is the a foundational principle. And this one precedes faith toward God because we're not really in a position to have faith Toward God until we have repented from, from, from any uh, thought we may have that God, here I am, and aren't you glad that I'm, you know, because you got me? No, we we come before God naked and without any merit of our own, and grateful for His total provision. And so, uh, the. This passage here, the blood of Christ, the eternal spirit, and Jesus' spotless sacrifice removes a dead works mindset. You know, it, remo- it totally removes that. This is God's provision. Aren't you, aren't, aren't you glad? You know, John 3, God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved the world that he that he gave. It's not that uh, it's not that we had anything, any merit in our own. So uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter five and verse number. Hebrews chapter five and verse eleven through fourteen. It says of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have have come to need milk and not solid food. Now, this precedes Hebrews chapter 5, precedes what we're looking at in Hebrews 6, these, these foundational principles. And he's saying, for though you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles and have come <clears throat> to need milk and not solid food. He's really saying these principles that we're looking at is milk, <laughs> you know, this isn't like heavy, heavy stuff. This is just foundational milk. This is stuff that every believer needs to be uh, rooted in. <clears throat> Excuse me. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age or, or fully mature, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to, dis- to discern both good and evil. 
So you have to be a doer of the word. You've got to be a, a, a an, You've got to be a doer of the word. You've got to be a practice. You've got to practice in pr- practical ways the word of God. Because he says here, uh, in order to grow, you grow by reason of use. You know, you can, you can pick up a book and read all about driving a car. You know, you do that. You know, and they make you, it's been a long time, but they make you get a book and you, you learn all the rules and all the different things that you're supposed to do but until you get behind the wheel and and start driving that vehicle you know you really don't know what it's like it's like in anything in life it's one thing to read about it's one thing to have book knowledge or book learning about something it's another thing to have experiential knowledge you know to to roll up your sleeves and, and you go oh now I see you know and, 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 and this is what he's saying here, but those who by reason of you, you've got to be, you've got to put into practice uh, in, in a practical way these, these, these principles that we're looking at. You've got to be a doer of the word. James chapter 1 verse 23 I think we've got it here up in the old head. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, Lord, this one will be blessed in what he in what he does. And so, if if we're going to, you know, if we're going to progress along the lines that God wants us to in terms of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, um, then we've got to put into practice. We've got we've got to put into practice these things that we're going to be that we're going to be uh, learning about. There's a difference between vital truth, that's truth that is being applied and, and you're practicing, and just historic truth or, or truth that you, you know, get out of a book and are not putting into practice. And, and there's a difference uh, between knowing all about the Bible and having a personal relationship with Jesus. You know, God wants us to be practically engaged. And, and I've met many people. I've met many people, you know, that, that uh, don't, have a, don't have a personal time with the Lord because that's where you work a lot of this stuff out, you know, when you're alone with him. And, and you're reading his word. Uh, he'll challenge you about doing something, you know. And, and, and you've got to work it out. You work your way through it. And it's like you're being changed as you're working through the process of applying God's word in your life in a practical way. Versus, oh yeah, I know that. You know, I read about that one time. And uh, so... So we've got to be a doer, the Bible says, in order, in order for us to grow. You've got to be a doer. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14 says, uh, you've got everyone who partakes, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So... A lot of people don't like to physically exercise. I think in like manner, many times people don't want to spiritually exercise. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. You guys are out here on a snowy Wednesday night, you know. But, you know, a lot of people, I mean, if you look at at church statistics today, I mean, it used to be people would go to church 
you know, Sunday, they'd be there Sunday night, they'd be there Wednesday. Now, for a lot of people, man, if they go to church, you know, once or twice a month, that's, that's, that's the way it is for a lot of Christians today. They just, you know, and then they, they wonder why, uh, you know, I just, uh, why we don't see greater miracles, you know, why we don't see, you know, more of God in, in different things. And I think, well, we, we quoted the scripture tonight, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, um, so you've got to be a doer. James, James 1, verse 23 through 25 says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, uh, he is... Where are we here? Yeah, James, James 1, 23. But he... If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And he observes himself. He goes away and he forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. This one will be blessed. So, it's an ongoing engagement and an ongoing pursuit that is necessary if we want to uh, if we want to continue to grow. Okay, um, and I'm not going to look at at uh, John chapter three twenty one, but it, well, you've got it right here, so let's just go ahead and put that up. John chapter three. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. He who does the truth. So again, you know, the word again and again and again uh, talks about the fact that it's not just theoretic. It's not just something, you know, that is that we keep in our head. It's something that gets worked out in and through our, our life. And uh, so true, true repentance, because we're talking about repentance from dead work, true repentance is an inner decision resulting in an in outward change in behavior and action. It's an inner decision. What, is, what does repent mean? A lot of times, you know, people think, well, it means to, you know, it means to weep and wail. Uh, you know, a lot of people overlay what they think it it's supposed to mean, but really what it means, it's an inner decision. We make a decision, and it results in an outward change in behavior and action. So it's something, uh, uh, it's something that starts in our heart. It's a decision that we make in our heart, and then it's worked out in our behavior and in, in, in our actions. To repent from dead works means to turn from trusting uh, in my own merits and to lean totally on Jesus and what he's done. It's the logical first step that precedes faith in God. To repent from dead works. If you ask most people, if you ask the average person, what does, it, what does it take to get into heaven? The average person, because I mean, I've, I've witnessed to a lot of people. Most people think, well, you've got to do the best you can. And, and so what they're, you know, so when we talk about repenting from dead works, we're saying, just let go of that idea absolutely and totally and completely. And, and again, you ask most people, and that's what they're going to say, well, I'm just doing the best I can. I'm a good person. It all revolves around uh, my deeds and my actions. And so, logically, the first step to this is you've got to just let go of that whole, of the, of that whole idea. I, I'm so grateful for uh, my conversion experience.
because I, I had a very dramatic and dynamic conversion experience where um, I knew that I was absolutely, totally, hopelessly lost. I mean, I mean, I knew that I did not have a leg to stand on. God showed it to me. And, um, and so I'm very grateful for that. And it has provided a means of stability in my life over many years. Because I always look back at that, and I never, I never, never have had the thought, well, you know, uh, isn't God lucky he got a hold of you? You know, I did not have, I had not a leg to stand on. And so uh, repenting from dead works was, uh, I mean, that, that happened. That happened uh, in my life. But it means to, to turn from trusting in my own merits and to lean totally on... It's the logical first step that precedes faith toward God. Because once you've let go of that, then you're open and you're hungry and you say, okay, God, what have you provided? You know, I, I can't produce this on my own, but what have you provided and, and that's exactly what our covenant with God is all about. It's what he has, what he's provided for us. But it's hard to, you know, they say when somebody is drowning, uh, don't jump in the water and try to save them immediately. Let them tire out. Let them come to a place where, where they stop struggling. Otherwise, they're going to take you down with them. And And that's where... A lot of people are. They get. They got to come to the place where you say, you know, I give up, help. And uh, so, uh, an example of this is the prodigal. Luke chapter fifteen, verse seventeen. Luke fifteen, verse seventeen says, "But when he came to himself." He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, his father Saruman had compassion and ran and fell on his neck, and he, he kissed him. And you know the story of the prodigal, that, uh, you know, he said, give me, give me my part of the inheritance, and he went out and he wasted it all, and he lived a, a licentious life, and the Bible says when he finally, when he came to his senses, when he came to himself, and he turned around and he went back home, walked back toward the father. And as he did that, there the father was waiting for him. He, he was stripped naked. He had not a leg to stand on. This is what we're talking about in this first principle, repenting from dead works. The prodigal said, man, you know, he, he, he thought, I'm not going to get anything. I, I have blown it so bad, and I am totally without any merit on my own. But yet that's where God met him. And God put a ring on his finger, put a robe on him. And that's what God does for us. That's what God does for us. But it's hard for a lot of people to come to that point because a lot of people still think like the prodigal did when he left home. Well, you know, my father's, you know, he's holding out on me and I can do a lot better without having, you know, him in my life until he finally came to his senses. And then, so, so that is, that's what true repentance is. 
It's an inward heart change uh, resulting in actions that are, that are congruous with that. You know, in Matthew 27, 3 and 4, we see uh, the other side of this. And, uh, you know, sometimes the, the verbiage in the King James, that's why it's, you know, it's helpful to have some biblical aids to uh, look up words, find what the meaning is. The New Testament was written in Greek. And if you look in some translations here, it says that Judas repented. Matthew 27, 3 and 4. Then Judas, his betraying, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. And Judas went out and hung himself. He went out and hung himself. Uh, the word remorseful here is a different word than the word that is used when the prodigal came to himself. Uh, it's, a, it's a different word. Judas, uh, the word here means emotion, anguish, uh, remorse. Judas did not change his mind and direction. He hung himself. Uh, he, he hung himself. So the Bible differentiates between uh, godly repentance and worldly repentance. Judas, I think, was maybe sorry that he had, you know, all that he was banking on. He thought he was going to get rich and he thought he had this all worked out in his mind and the whole thing was crumbling before him. And so there was not really a, 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 a heart transition, a heart change. Uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 9 and 10 here, it says, Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner. So he's talking here about godly, uh, a godly sorrow, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Paul had written a letter to these people, bringing correction to them. And, and, uh, and, so, and then he's following up here to encourage them. And he says, you know, uh, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And that's what happened with Judas. Judas did not have a, a, a godly sorrow, a heart change sorrow. He was disappointed that he, that he banked, you know, his, his uh, he had taken the wrong course and he wasn't going to come out rich like he had hoped uh, but there was not really a heart change and he went out and he hung himself so you know repentance is not it's not a bad thing it's a, it's a good thing it's a good thing and um, so you, you see here the difference between a godly and a worldly repentance John the Baptist uh his preaching ministry was necessary to prepare people for the revelation of the Messiah. In John, um, excuse me, Mark chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So John's message was, was preparatory because he was preparing the way for the Messiah to come, and, and he's, he's preaching this message of repentance. Get ready. Get ready to, to have a turn of direction. Get ready. And... Uh, so 
John preached it. Uh, Jesus' first command was was it was not to believe, but it was it was to it was to repent. Mark one verse fourteen and fifteen. Mark one. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, "The time is fulfilled." And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. I think, I, think it's, I think it's important. One of the things that sometimes concerns me is when we share the gospel with people today, uh, I think we need to lay enough of a foundation in their life so that they understand there needs to be, I I need to understand that I have offended God. Uh, You know, I am, I'm I'm lost. I need Jesus in my life. And and, uh, uh, when, when a person understands that, then their heart is in a right position to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Sometimes we say to people, well, just say this, just say this short prayer with me. But, but there needs to be an, an element of acknowledging that, that I am a lost sinner and that I, uh, I have offended God and uh, now I'm placing my trust and my faith in him, in his provision for, for my life. So... Uh, Jesus preached repentance after his resurrection, Luke chapter 24, verse 46. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So Jesus preached this after his resurrection. Peter preached it in Luke, or excuse me, Acts chapter 2. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Paul preached repentance also. Some people say there's no need for believers today to to repent. And I, you know, I've heard people saying that you know there's no need there's no need to repent because we're born again. And we don't need to repent. And I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. Because I think, uh, well, in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5, this is Jesus speaking to churches. And here's what he said. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. H- have any of you ever caught yourself and you found wait a minute, wait a minute I've, I've gone backwards here some area of your life I mean if we're honest about it you know uh, we, we, would, we would all have to admit it maybe in your love walk maybe in your actions or in, in the words how you've treated other people I mean I've heard people say well you know we don't, we don't ever have to repent. We don't ever have to... And, and, yeah, I mean, that stuff's out there. <laughs> and and uh, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't think it's a healthy thing. I think it's healthy to admit when we're wrong and when we've missed it. Some, some people push this. They say, well, no, no, you don't ever have to repent or whatever because I'm born again. I'm a child of God. He doesn't, he, you know. We need to have a dynamic uh, walking out. This, this you know, if, if, uh, 
uh, if, if my wife and I have an issue, maybe I've said something wrong. If I don't say, you know, honey, uh, would you forgive me? You know, our relationship isn't going to be the best that it could be. All right. And I don't, I don't see where this does not apply in our relationship with God. I think it helps to keep our heart tender and sweet and uh, before God. When we, and, and so Jesus writing here, uh, go ahead and put that back up. In Revelation 2.5, he's writing to, to this church. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and, and repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So here's, here's a church that really, you know, was off track. And he's saying to them, you know, it's time to do a course change. You know, it's time to, to do an evaluation here and make some adjustments. Uh, go, go ahead, we've got some other scriptures up there. Verse 16. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my, of my mouth. Now, uh, I just think, go, you know, going back to what we were talking about when we talked about the practical outworking in our relationship and the dynamic of uh, doing and practicing, not just a theory, but putting into practice, I think that is foundational for us to, to grow and to, and to be strong and healthy spiritually. Uh, Revelation 3.3, 3, again, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Verse number 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. I mean, God, he wants us to grow. He wants us, he wants us to mature. Uh, and um, uh, so, so this is just a, a process. I know in my own personal experience, as you as you grow spiritually, you 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 grow and mature, and you find out that you know God uh, uh, you know maybe maybe um, gives you further instruction you know he's very gracious he, and and you know and and you as you spiritually grow and mature, you know God may ask you to to do some things, or or to uh, narrow your walk in some area. And I'm always careful, uh, and I think it's you know not to get up and say, well, you know, God told me to do this or or to do that, because maybe He's just telling me this. And sometimes people think, well, maybe I'm supposed to do that too. You know, you know what I'm saying. But, but that's his prerogative to direct us in our life. And, uh, and there's a reason for, for it. And, it's, and if we'll obey whatever it is that he's directing us to do, it will be well with us. Praise God. So, so uh, 1 John 1, 5, do we, do we have that here? This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Keep going. And he himself is the propitiation. That word propitiation means the mercy seat for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And when he has come, he will convict... No, do we not have... uh, First John 2, 2. And he himself is, okay. 
verse 2, 2. Okay, I guess that's... Let me, get, let me just find it here. I got to finish up. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message which we heard from him. God is light and in him is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, this is what I want to get. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And the reason I wanted to point that out is because, again, there's been a teaching going on where people have said, well, you don't ever have to repent. You don't, you don't ever have to, you know, you don't ever have to repent. The scripture tells us right here, if we say we never miss it, you know, we're deceived. So, specifically, I want to wrap up uh, here on this. The role of the Holy Spirit in repentance, John 16, 8 through 10 says, and when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, righteousness and judgment. His role, the role of the Holy Spirit in, in helping uh, us to be led led towards repentance. That is so uh, essential. And I love this, Romans chapter 2 and verse number 4. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God leads you to repentance. When we think about repentance, many times people think, you know, can picture somebody beating them over the head with the Bible, you know, shouting at them and beating them over the head with the Bible. My experience, my own life, my own experience, the thing that has most led me to repentance is when I have fallen before God, seeing his goodness, his long-suffering, and his patience. And it's like, oh, my goodness. God is so good. I am so so, you know, wrong, and my heart is then ready to yield to him. So again, for a lot of people, they think of repentance of somebody beating them over the head with a Bible and shouting at them and whatever, and really, it's when you see the goodness of God and the nature of God and, and, and who he is and the character of God, it leads you to repentance. And then 2 Timothy 2.25, and we'll finish with that. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. He's talking here about uh, approaching someone who's, who's in a wrong spot, those who are in opposition. If God will give them repentance... So, you know, there's this part uh, where the Holy Spirit works in someone's heart. And maybe you know someone, you know, we've all had situations where we know of someone who's, you know, it's like, what in the world are they thinking or doing? You know, they're, they're so far off. And, and you know, uh, we can pray. We can pray, God, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open their eyes. You know, one of the things, if somebody who's, who's running from God or whatever, number one, break the power of the devil over their life in Jesus' name because he's the one that blinds people. And so you can take authority over the devil. I break your power in Jesus' name over their life. And then God, give them, give them a spirit of repentance. Soften their hearts. Help them to see, Father. And uh, all right, a lot of a lot of stuff, and uh, 
Next time, I will uh, we'll do the, the faith toward God. So let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you are a good, good father. That's who you are. We sang that tonight, Father. And Father, we thank you that you have opened our eyes. You have, Lord, enabled us to see the goodness of God. Uh, and, and Father, we're so grateful for that. Father, we, we thank you that repentance is a good thing. Father, it helps us. It helps us to, to make turns and, Father, to make adjustments in our life so that, Lord, that we, we continue, Father, walking in the path that you have for us. And so, Father, we bless you tonight. Thank you, Father, for loving us and leading us and, Father, helping us to, uh, to be a light, Father, to those around us. And, Father, for those this evening, Father, that have seed to sow, Father, we thank you that gift and giver alike are blessed. Father, we lift up our entire church family, especially during this season of the year. Father, thank you for, uh, Father, for just uh, relationships. Father, being healed. Father, as families get together coming up on Christmas. Father, thank you for uh, filling us with your light and love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. I went a little bit over here, but uh, we'll not charge you any extra for that. <laughs> Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.